It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Tom Tiger. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show. We're coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at 3cr.org.au. The BZE Community Show and this show are now available on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe and rate us to help others find the shows. My name is Kay Wenigal and I'm joined today by my co-host Kira Rundle. Hey Kay. And Natalie Bucknell. Thanks Kay. So recently, policies for a transition to electric vehicles have been under a lot of discussion in the broader media and in the lead up to the federal election. So like many people, I've been really curious about what the day-to-day realities of owning and operating an electric vehicle are. So I was particularly delighted to um, have the opportunity when the radio team were offered the use of an electric Hyundai Ionic for review. So this was heaps of fun and we really thought we'd try and capitalise on this opportunity to give the listeners, our listeners a fresh eyes perspective on driving an EV. But then I had to hand it over to Kay and Mike after a few days for their <laughs> turn. <laughs> that was the only downside. And when I hit Not questions... for me, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and when I hit questions, I was lucky to have the expertise on tap from Bryce Gatton, writer for the Driven website and also an EV expert and enthusiast. And of course, our own Kay Wenigal, who's owned an EV for two years. It's helped me fill in the gaps. So join us now for some discussion as I share my electric journey of discovery with Kay and Kira this morning. All right, so Nat, how was it when you first collected the EV? Well, can I be confusing and say it was a funny mixture of thrilling and underwhelming? So (laughs) I was really so excited to be behind the wheel of an EV at last after all the the talk and the hype and so excited. It lived up to all my expectations of quietness and, you know, power, acceleration, and it was a really sporty, streamlined little hatchback. Um, that was really fun to drive. But at the same time, you know, it's it's a car. It does all the things that a car does. <laughs> it looks like a car, feels like a car. And, you know, there was no cool spooky blue aura around it or sparks discharging or anything to sort of signal this is, An you electric know, car. to use a cliche, <laughs> the motoring of the future. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that aspect was underwhelming. You know, from the outside, the only way you could really tell is the absence of an exhaust pipe, which is really nice, and the you no know, grill at the no front. Grill. And the little word electric on, on the back <laughs> is a bit of a giveaway as well. That, that was my first impression. Now, I couldn't wait to you know, sort of show it off with someone and, and share the experience. And also, I wanted to try a bit of a longer drive. So I headed off to visit a friend who's a science communicator and got a great curiosity. And so my friend, Joanne Sinclair, I got her behind the driver's seat or in the driver's seat behind the <laughs> steering wheel. And we had a chat about it. So I'll play that for you now. It's got that new car smell. Yeah, that's what the kids don't like about it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, but they like everything else? Uh, yes, well, they like how clean it is. 
And they're not talking about emissions, <laughs> unfortunately. That's just a sad reflection on me. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so look, what I'm seeing so far is pretty much your average car. To start with, I'm not seeing a lot of difference. So yes. if you push the power on button, mm-hmm. uh, there we go. Now the engine is running. Can you notice any difference? Wow. <laughs> That's so quiet. You wouldn't really know. The only way you know is that little green symbol, car symbol there with the arrows going both ways showing it's ready to roll. Okay, so how would I know to turn it off when I'd stopped? When you, If the green symbol is still there, then it's, then then you, it's on. Then you better turn okay, it off. Okay, so then I turn it off. So, and to turn it off, do you just hit the power button again? Yes. This is something I was curious about, actually, in terms of what indicators do you get about how far you can drive in an EV. In my car, which is an internal combustion engine, I've got the fuel gauge, and this, it's actually quite cute. It's got the same symbol like a petrol pump almost, but it's got a little electric plug coming off it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's obviously bridging the gap, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think actually that's quite a clever symbol. It says 145 kilometres. So is that how far we could drive in the EV now? Yeah, that's with the current battery charge. And the other fuel gauge aspect... There's a... A low to high gauge, yeah, with a battery. And it's probably got about 15 bars or something, and I've dropped five or so. But I'm still well clear of the red bars, which is <laughs> what I'm most interested about. Yes. Keeping, keeping clear of those. There's actually some other interesting things that it's got to help with range issues. Yeah. If you click on the button enigmatically labelled EV, on there it shows us range from now. Nearby charging stations, the nearest one is 8.55 kilometres away. Oh, that's handy to know. Yeah. Battery's at 62% and it shows different driving mode, so it's in eco driving mode at the moment. And as part of the navigation system, you can check whether there's charging stations on your way or whether you'll make it all the way to your destination with your current oh, level of charge. Great. That's, plan, that's, plan that's, that way. that's very smart. That is handy. And um, just what you need if you should enter into that red zone on the battery exactly. gauge. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that you also get some warning beeps. If you're getting low and ultimately the vehicle will slow to a set speed to conserve energy oh, to you okay. get to a charging destination if you're getting really low. That's more clever than the uh, internal combustion engine cars. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and if you get to really desperate situation, most of the automobile clubs apparently are setting up roadside recovery services that qu- quickly charge up electric vehicle batteries. Fantastic. Great. Now, what about things like, you know, using air conditioning? Because people always say that's a real drain on power. Yes. The climate control really makes a big difference to your energy consumption. Mm. So times when I've experimented with it so far, it seemed to make a difference of like 20% to the range, like reduce the range by 20%. Um, I guess that just depends on the ambient temperature and how hot or cold you're wanting to control it. And look, you know, I guess that... It's using that much energy in my petrol car as well, but I'm just not as aware of the impact that it has on my fuel consumption. So that's been a really interesting aspect of driving this. Any variations in driving conditions or weather or hills, you you know straight away the impact that it's having on your energy consumption or your fuel economy. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, very interesting. And so in terms of, say, taking the EV and driving on a freeway, because sometimes... 
people say, oh, you know, yeah, electric vehicles, they'd be great, but, you know, do they really have the power that I might need for freeway driving or for getting myself out of a situation like or merging? It's one of their strengths. They've got amazing power. And the funny thing is you don't get the associated engine surge sound so you feel ah. like you're just kind of <laughs> taking off <laughs> you feel very light and breezy because you, you get really great acceleration but very responsive what is a car like this worth now this is one of the downsides of these so i think these bionics are on the market about fifty thousand dollars in australia yep the leaf is coming out later this year. It's going to be similar from what the current pricing indications are. And Hyundai are also releasing another model called Kona, and that's going to be 10000 higher again, but with a lot bigger range, nearly probably double the range of this. Right. So much bigger battery. Is a lot of the expense in the battery? Yes. You've nailed it. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. And also the another aspect of the expense is these cars require very little servicing compared with ICE vehicles. Ah. And so dealers can't recoup their money through servicing agreements. It has to be at point of sale. Interesting. But that's actually a great saving potentially for consumers Absolutely. and people I know when my kids were little trying to get the car serviced with a baby and a toddler was really difficult and and a big juggle yeah so even if you are paying for it up front then you've got that convenience offset yes that's exactly right and and you know I guess in your fuel costs Yes, as well. Absolutely. So, you know, the other thing that's built into the price is that these are still relatively new technology, so there's still a bit of a price premium with that, and also that they're still marketed a bit at the early adopters. But prices are predicted to go down quite steeply over the next couple of years. Yeah, as more and more people become aware and come come on board. Yes. Now I've just noticed the time. I better go. All right. Bye. <laughs> Thanks very much, Joe. Thanks, Nat. Oh wow, that's that's really cool discussion i think so okay just one thing that um stuck out to me which i think makes a lot of sense but i didn't really think about before was how much energy the car actually needs for these heating and and cooling 20 percent seems like a really large number to me and okay that didn't gel with your experience necessarily did it no i find my car is about 10 percent. okay okay so so there's some variability there yeah yeah and it certainly depends on the type of heating and cooling too, you know. Mm. I, I thought I'd get electric seats and that would heat the car or me much more effectively than yeah. than having the air conditioning. But unfortunately I didn't do that because <laughs> it was a demo, demo model. Yep. But it, it, that would certainly help within the range considerations. Yeah. Mm. yeah, the other thing I thought was really interesting is that it kind of has this built-in system for telling you where the charging stations are mm, and I think that's, that's really great, clever. Yeah. 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 And super useful. Absolutely. So. And my car warns me, and as Nat says, you know, that slows you t- the car down if um, it's getting towards the end of the battery life. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, they're certainly great features that you don't get in, in petrol cars. Yes. And look, you know, and I guess those features probably are similar across the board with, all, you know, a lot of different models ar- mm. around. And there's new models on their way in Australia. The Ionic is just fairly new, came last year. Hyundai also have the Kona coming up. Nissan have their new Leaf coming out this year. And the Tesla 3, Model 3 is also due to land this year. And we might get a Kia 
version as well. And these this new wave of cars bringing prices down and bringing ranges up. So they're really making a, a difference to the electric vehicle scene in Australia and, and to, the, to the types of people who are interested in purchasing them as well. Because it, Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, my car, which was a 2014 model, has a range of about 150 kilometres mm-hmm. and the Kona has about 450 kilometres. So yeah. a few wow. years makes a big difference. That's- yes, and for a similar price range. Mm, exactly. Yep. Yes, and um, the, the Tesla Model 3, you know, that, that's going to be probably less than or around half what the previous Teslas have been in terms of price, but similar range. So, you know, this is really marking a a big shift in in the market. Well, batteries are becoming so much more efficient, I believe, and and so they can put bigger ones on board and and they don't have to be that much bigger to Mm -hmm. improve the range. So, so Nat, I think you said that the Ionic had a range of 230 kilometres. Just wondering... Was that a good range for you? Do you think that's a good range for most people? So, yeah, that's an interesting thing about range is you'll see different quoted ranges, like on marketing material or or different test regimes that they use for assessing the range. But certainly for for that one, it seemed about 230, 240 was probably about the the real range. Did you find that too, Kay, Mm. with your experience of it? and. Um, I found that quite good. Um, the day that I went to visit Jo and I was doing a 100-kilometre round trip to visit her, um, plus we did the radio program that morning and I had a 60-kilometre round trip. So I was sort of thinking a bit the night before, now I need to absolutely make sure I've got it charged up and are there any other side trips I'll be doing? Perhaps I won't run the air conditioner if it's warm. <laughs> I might put the windows down instead. Uh, and I, so I was kind of having to anticipate and think a bit with that. So I yeah. think for, for me, I mean, that's not a typical day. A typical day would be less, but I also would like to be not thinking about charging it every single day or worrying, you know, thinking that one charge will get me through a number of days. So I'm looking forward to, you know, when I hopefully get an electric vehicle sometime that I'll get one yeah, more in that 400 kilometre range just to, you know, take the stress out of those aspects of it. Although, you know, when you consider it for day-to-day driving, it's probably about 30 kilometres that you do. Yeah, apparently the average motorist, it's about 40. 40, is it? So 240 kilometres is going to get you a long way through your week, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And there's charging stations everywhere. And the other great thing about these electric cars is they have multiple driving modes. Mm. So, you know, if you're at all concerned, you put your car into eco mode. That's right. I think Nat mentioned that in the recording that it was in eco mode. So can you guys expand a little bit more on what that actually means? What's the car doing when it's in these different modes? Do you guys know? Would you like to speak to that, Kay? <laughs> okay, so my car, then I, don't, I can't use the air conditioning. I can only, depending on the eco mode there is, there's multiple, there's mm. pro. And <laughs> <laughs> it's very and, customizable. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I can't do it beyond a certain speed. And the acceleration is certainly limited, so they're the main features that it mm. has. And it's great because, you know, I know it and it's never really impacted on my driving, but I'm getting a, a better range just by pushing that little button. Yeah. And then it also has this wonderful guide that shows you how many stars. It gives you a number of stars for good driving. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you feel very, very mm-hmm. good. Very virtuous. <laughs> Look, if you've just joined us, we're talking about electric vehicles and particular a test drive of our Hyundai Ionic that, that the radio team was fortunate to try out recently. 
Look, another thing to comment on about range is the impact of regenerative braking. Kay, would you like to explain about regenerative braking for us? So regenerative braking is whenever you're accelerating, you're obviously using power. When you take your foot off the accelerator, nothing normally in an ICE vehicle, nothing happens. So you have to put your foot on the brake to stop the car. And that um, uses energy. In a car with regenerative braking, this energy is put back into the battery. And in fact, in my car, what happens is that I hardly ever use the brake because as soon as I take my foot off the accelerator, the car starts braking and put that in, putting that energy back into the battery. And it does it quite noticeably. It's something you have to get used to, but it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And probably I use my actual brake pedal once a fortnight or something mm. in an emergency only. Yeah, look, I, I was fascinated by the impact of that, you know, with driving this electric vehicle around. And, you know, one trip that I went on was about 20 kilometres and the range available at the end of the journey was actually higher than at the start of the journey. And that, and that wasn't noticeably a journey with a lot mm. of downhill. It seemed pretty average. But obviously the regenerative braking was topping up the battery for a lot of that journey. Yeah, and I noticed that the Ionic has little paddles so that you can raise or lower the amount of regenerative braking you have. So if oh, you're not, interesting. <laughs> That's really interesting. If you don't like it. Yeah, you can just have less of it. <laughs> well, I think that's the other thing that's really good about electric vehicles, and it's true for ICE vehicles as well, that how you drive the car affects the efficiency. I think that with regenerative braking, it kind of forces people to drive a certain way that will enable the car to have a lo- longer range. And that's, I don't know, that's something that I've noticed. The way that people drive seems to be very inefficient. So if you're kind of training them to drive a certain way by having these features, I think that's a really good thing. Uh, That's a great point, Kira, because I certainly notice that I now anticipate much better Mm. in terms of coming up to lights or turning corners or whatever it is. Yeah, And I'm I'm a much calmer person and driver now because of that. Thank goodness for that. (laughs) (laughs) So what have you heard? (laughs) Now, we really should talk about charging because (laughs) that's a significant issue for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, obviously that's the the main difference or change with driving an electric vehicle. I must say my – I had mixed feelings about charging – the, the main overwhelming one was it was so exciting when I got home with the car at first and I plugged it into the PowerPoint at home and we recently commissioned solar panels and knowing that you know, the sun was going to be powering this vehicle and there were no emissions and it was all just happening in the convenience of my own carport. That was just unbelievable and very exciting. And so you know, we were just in the habit of any time that the car was at home we would just plug it in and so it, we were keeping the charge topped up. So I was wondering about that actually because you were just test driving this car did you get a portable charger when you picked it up and so is that theoretically something if you own an electric car that you could just keep in the back of your car so that you always had a charger with you? Yeah well great question so when the car was handed over to me the only handover thing was here's the charging cable (laughs) and here's where you plug it into the car which in that model is about where you put your petrol in in the same location and the the cable had just a, a normal house PowerPoint plug at one end and a Type 2 car charging plug at the other end. And so I didn't need any specialised charging equipment for what's called trickle charging, which is slow charging just off a regular house PowerPoint. 
So that was very simple. The downside of that is that it's quite slow. Mm -hmm. So you're charging at two kilowatts. We're going to get into a bit of terminology here, but you're charging at two kilowatts. So for the Ionic, the battery in the car is 28 kilowatt hour battery. Mm -hmm. So charging at two kilowatts, you're looking at 12 to 14 hours if you're charging from empty. Yeah. Then there's the next kind of level of charging, which depending on the terminology, it's sometimes called fast charging. And if you you can do fast charging at home, but you do need specialised equipment for that. So obviously I wasn't set up for that. With that, you could charge at up to 7.5 kilowatts. Oh, wow. So big difference. Yes. Yeah, so if you do the maths, it's, you know, 28 kilowatt hours divided by 7.5, whatever that comes to. So, mm-hmm. you know, that can cut your charging time significantly. So it's between three and four hours. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, mm-hmm. Kate. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, whether my home solar, whether I'd be generating enough to keep up with that to be purely powering that off my solar I haven't done the the maths Mm, on that but you know that would depend on the size of your system and what other consumption you have going on in your house at the time yeah and then the the third level of charging is once again it's got goes by various names but it might be rapid charging or ultra fast charging (laughs) and that's rather than charging with AC current you're charging with DC and then they can get up to what is it 150 kilowatt charging so wow. this is this is the kind of you know really quick charging that you can do when you're out on the road on a long journey unfortunately opportunities the infrastructure for that is not really well established yet but not yet you know, but, but it's, I think it's there's about the two in, in Victoria at the moment. Mm. There's that wonderful electric highway in Queensland, also in Western Australia. Um, the ACT has a few. Uh, but they're coming. They're coming very, very fast now. And the car doesn't need any special adapter to go from AC to DC charging? So you've just got to make sure that your car has the DC capability, charging okay. capability. Mm-hmm. Some cars haven't in the past, and I'm sure a lot of them, more of them do now. But you need to be aware of that yep. when you're buying a car. And, what and a, nice, a nice thing just on that topic yeah. is apparently as electric vehicles first started, there were a lot of different standards about, around charging and the types of cables and plugs that we used. That's gradually becoming standardised. So in Australia, everything is merging towards a what's called a Type 2 plug. So that is going to simplify things that reduce the need for adapters or clarifying whether a charging station that you're using has the appropriate equipment for your car. Yeah, so that'll also help if you're out and about and looking for a charger. If there's just kind of a one universal charging cable, that means that anytime you see the symbol that you can charge your electric car here, you can confidently drive there. Theoretically, <laughs> theoretically down the track, I, I decided to you know, try this out mm. as, as part of the experience. So I set off, uh, called up the ch- charging stations on the panel in the car. And also there's a couple of different apps that you can use. So PlugShare or ChargeFox are a couple that you can use. And unfortunately, they didn't all match in terms of showing which stations were oh. in the area. So they, they gave different information about which charging stations were around. So I chose one at a local shopping centre and only to find that the app didn't give really specific information about whereabouts (laughs) in the shopping centre was the charging station. So after doing a few laps 
and um, pulling over to you know do a bit more research online and meeting a nice gentleman who was interested in electric vehicles while <laughs> pulled over. The shopping centre website had more specific information, mm. and then I so I found the charging station. And many of these sort of, if we say level two charging stations, come with cables attached. This one didn't. So the cable that I'd received with the car was only for that at-home trickle charging. So I didn't have the appropriate cable to, to be able to try it. And I also found that I needed... I needed to be signed in to a system to have the right swipe card to be able to use the charging station as well. So there's a few things to iron out or to Mm -hmm. get accustomed to to set up well for charging away from home. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing that there are what's called universal chargers that are around now that weren't as prevalent in earlier years. Most chargers had the the cables there already so you, mm-hmm. you you knew which one was which and whether your car could accept that cable now with the universal chargers you have to bring your own cable and is that cable something that the car will come with as well so you'll get the plug in for home and then no no they don't and i did a bit of googling and you know typically you know cable costs are around like three hundred dollars to get a cable. So okay. I chatted to Bryce about this issue and he recommends, yeah, you would want to carry a type two to type two cable with you in addition to the cable that you receive with the car mm-hmm. and also a type one to type two adapter. He said for, for the next few years would still be handy to give you a good range of options for charging when you're out and about. So that's, you know, $550 mm-hmm. plus if I add, you know, a home charging station, uh, there's some that you can get with smarts so that they only charge the car when you're exporting your solar to the grid if you're lucky enough to be having having your own renewable energy at home. So, you know, there's really nifty things like that that you can add in. But once again, those charging sta- home charging stations are $1,000 to $2,000 installed. Mm-hmm. So really, by the time you get set up with all that gear, that's pretty much going to offset you know, your first year of fuel savings, mm. really. How how have you found that, Kay? Have you installed charging equipment at home? No. <laughs> yeah, so I, just, you, I, I do this 15-second thing. I drive home, plug the car in. I actually charge off-peak because I've got a good um, feed-in tariff rate, so I don't want to use my solar panels. Mm-hmm. So the car knows when off-peak starts at 11 o'clock at night, so I just plug it in, you know, whenever I get home, 8 o'clock at night turns itself on at 11 o'clock and it's charged by the time I get up the next day. And that's all I've ever had to do. And whenever I go elsewhere, I can carry that charger with me knowing that I can go find a PowerPoint if I'm in desperate trouble mm-hmm. and I can always charge my car. But there's quite a few fast chargers around, so t- two or three hours is easy. You know, you, you can go shopping, you can, you know, have afternoon tea with someone, whatever you want to do. And then your car is charged or as much as you want to charge. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could charge for an hour and then get home in 50 kilometres. And that's a really good point to make, I think. You're not always looking for a full battery charge. Like, you know, you're often just mm. topping up where you're at. Now, we're running really close to time. The, <laughs> the one thing I just wanted to add in is I did some, you know, costing on charging at home versus petrol prices. And if I count the electricity rate at the feed-in tariff rate, then that's around 10 cents per kilowatt hour. Then, you know, charging a vehicle like that, that would be about $2.80 to charge it to go 230 kilometres. So it's worth 
doing the sums. <laughs> you know, for, for me, if I, I travel about 20,000 kilometres a year, that's going to be a saving of 1500 to $2,000 a year. So you recoup those cable costs and charging yes, costs yeah, very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Now we should wrap up. So thanks very much, everyone, for the great discussion. And thanks again to um, Hyundai for the loan of the electric vehicle. And to Bryce Gatton from the website The Driven for helping answer all the tricky questions. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the climate change solutions think tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the community radio network. Previous episodes of the show are available on iTunes and Stitcher, so please subscribe. If you enjoy the program and can donate to help cover airtime costs, please go to the BZE website and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening and we look forward to you joining us again next week. Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. bze.org.au You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.